What's up and welcome to another episode of the Gift of Gaming podcast. This week, we've got all your news from March covered. From a cancellation of a certain favorite video game show to Zelda gameplay being okay, you're going to hear it all here on the Gift of Gaming podcast. All right, it's me, your host, Darren Wade, here to give you the news for March, and I'm joined alongside the old reliables. Starting off, of course, first with Mr. Xbox Games Pass himself, Luke Maycock. What's up, Darren? And, of course, the PC playing console hating full-time Canadian himself, Christopher Robbins. Chris, you well? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good, good. And how are you guys, before we crack into anything, how are you guys, how are you guys been? Um, I'm doing well, just kind of coming off a extra long weekend that I just kind of booked for myself to nice do some research what did your research entail <laughs> no it was just a lot of playing video games and just relaxing what nice. are you what are you playing uh it was all dead by daylight all weekend nice. trying Very to nice. crush as much of the battle pass as possible because i was kind of late to this season so yeah i made some great progress so pretty stoked are you, you you an expert now are you no no i'm still very bad <laughs> murdering teenagers and <laughs> <laughs> no they're murdering me yeah <laughs> uh, for the post show today i think we're going to go into the b-sides of our new what uh, news items is what we said we, we would do and one of those b-sides is it dead by daylight yeah possible movie adaptation so if you want to hear what we think about that you get on patreon.com uh, i think only me probably i don't even know if you guys know anything about the game right yeah, uh, i mean i've i've die. played the don't, game i don't think don't die by daylight yeah. uh, is the game of the game. <laughs> okay. Right? We've yeah. got it. Yeah, me and Luke have got this. We're We've got right. this. But if you want to listen to that post show, you hit us up on patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming. And just a few house uh is it house rules? House chores? What's that? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I completely forgot my words there. But a housekeeping. Our, our most recent episode that came out last Friday was our first ever episode of our games club where we talked about the Hogwarts Legacy game uh, it's not so much a review more so a discussion so if you've played through that game finish that game and have some thoughts why not listen to our thoughts uh check that out because <laughs> we are correct <laughs> yeah because we know what we're talking about and uh yeah if you like what you hear and you want to hear extra content uh like the post show today uh, go to patreon.com uh, slash the gift of gaming uh, so we'll crack into it guys march was a pretty hefty uh, yeah. News month, and I I think hefty for us in terms of the things that we like, which was which was nice. Yeah, a nice and there's a like a wide variety, and just every day there seemed to be some sort of news article that we wanted to add to this show. It was pretty wild. I think the games news sphere is kind of ramping up in general coming into summer because summer is when a lot of big gaming things tend to drop. Like it kind of goes a bit quiet over winter, the January blues. A yeah, a little bit. So yeah. it feels like. I think. Got to make sure those kids stay inside and play video games. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. yeah. Instead of going out the and moment the that summer. sunlight comes out over here in Ireland, we got to make sure we're indoors. Uh, so we're going to kick off with uh, an interesting one on for those who know Dolphin emulators. Uh, this uh, first um, piece of news is the Dolphin GameCube and Wii emulator releasing on Steam Deck. This comes from uh, Game Rant by uh, Rory Young. So I'll read this out. I don't have any water with me, guys. So this is going to be a these, these, are, these are some pretty long articles, so bear with me while I read these out. So Steam Deck um, is getting the popular GameCube and Wii emulator. Developers announced that they're bringing their incredibly popular Nintendo GameCube and Wii emulator to the Steam Deck. Um, developers of the popular Nintendo 
GameCube and Nintendo Wii emulator software Dolphin have announced it's being ported to Steam. While the Steam Deck's biggest selling point is its affordability um, compared to desktop gaming PCs and its accessibility for major AAA releases, its potential for emulation has built a growing niche audience. There's a diverse range of Steam Steam Deck emulation software available, but native support for Dolphin could prove to be one of the platform's most exciting releases yet. Dolphin is an emulator for two of Nintendo's recent consoles, the Nintendo GameCube and the Nintendo Wii. The emulation software is entirely open source and is free to download and use for any purpose. Hundreds have worked on Dolphin over the years and it remains in active development today as the emulators seek to continue optimization and increase support for games that may not work or hardware that may not be supported. For the time being, Dolphin is not currently supported on Steam and the developers of Dolphin Emulator have simply announced that it will be launching in the second quarter of 2023 and have started a Steam profile allowing fans to wish list it. Uh, planned features and the process of using D- Dolphin through Steam will be confirmed at a later date and it should be made clear that the Dolphin developer team refers to the release as an experiment, though it's been in the works for months. What's also important to clarify is that Dolphin Emulator is being released as an application for users to run their own legally acquired software on. This is what we'll get to in a, in a minute for sure. Uh, Dolphin they is are not very good at skirting the, uh, yeah. the yeah, yeah, the rules, right? Uh, Dolphin does not supply any games itself. It is not officially tied to Nintendo or Nintendo software in any capacity, and users will need to legally dump copies of their own GameCube and Wii games into a compatible format, which can then be run through Dolphin. Dolphin has technically been available to use on Steam Deck for some time now through indirect means, but Dolphin can be installed on Steam Deck via the MU Deck software, for example, or it can be installed using Decky and Power Tools, though it requires some extra work. This recent announcement is for official support of Steam, which means optimization and troubleshooting are available that weren't available prior. So... My first question to you guys is, how long does this last? Uh, I think it has a good chance of sticking around as long as they want it to. I don't think it can really be stopped. They haven't been able to stop them so far. And I mean, RetroPie has been out on Steam for a while now too, which is essentially like all the old Nintendo console emulators too, wrapped in one. Yeah, it's, it kind of depends on how much Nintendo decide to care about this one, I think. I mean, this is such a loaded article because on one hand, like, you might have Steam Deck beating the Switch to proper GameCube emulation, and Nintendo can't be happy about that. No, no. But Dolphin has been around for ages, and they tried to stop it years ago, but they can't because they're so good at, like, the fine print. Yeah, and I think, what was their their quote there? your own legally acquired yeah, software. So that's my question. Is I, I ROMed years ago on my phone, uh, mm. Super Nintendo games, Game Boy original games, and it was from a ROM site, which I assume now, I'm mean, looking back on that was years ago, I'm assuming now that it was all illegal. Super illegal. Super you can't illegal distribute. ROMs. You can only uh, rip your own legally purchased games into digital copies. So you can't distribute them to well, So that's else. the question. So Dolphin, their idea is, hey, all your GameCube games that you already own, mm-hmm. make sure you rip them into a digital format to download onto... That's that's their... That's their who, who's going to do that? I don't even know how to start ripping a mini disc, man. That, that, that doesn't <laughs> Oh, yeah, the GameCube disc. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely... It's it's totally doable. It's not super... It's not super complicated. You rip it the same way you rip a CD. Like, yeah. It just goes into the into the CD port the same way. I'm not 100% sure. Like, I've kind of skirted around emulation and ROMs and stuff like that before. I'm not 100% sure how legal it really is. Like, well, the, well, the ROM section, that the ROMs that I would have gotten, I think there was a massive clampdown on that just before COVID, I think. I remember yeah. a lot, like Nintendo especially was pushed, because I think Nintendo games are some of the most popular... ROMs, but not emulation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, like, 
where my legal brain starts to poke at me being like, hang on, is this right? If you have a copy of, say, Super Mario Sunshine, game I'm playing at the moment, if you had a copy of Super Mario Sunshine, you own the rights to the copy that's on that disc. But surely when you take it off the disc and put it on a different system, you've copied... You now have two copies of that game. Surely you don't have rights to the copy that you make of it. Well, that's my... Like, that's my... Well, right? I, I wouldn't say argument. That's my concern. Like, they say legally acquired versions of the game. Does such a thing exist that's not the one that you purchased that the physical per- copy? So, I, th- I think legally there isn't. But the way the Dolphin doesn't have to care about any of this is they're not providing ROMs we, and they're we not... ran into the same issue back in the day with DVDs and VHS. You could copy them as long as you... St- own that copy and you don't do anything else with it is that it you yeah. own the rights to just for private I use have, i guess i don't really know the details but i remember that was a rule you weren't allowed to distribute it you for can, sure you gotta like give it out to people like as yeah. soon as you i remember hearing that as well like as soon as you give it out to someone that's breaking the law that's like yeah. for but whatever I mean, reason at this point like valve has even said yes you can put this on our platform and valve is pretty smart when it comes to this stuff i mean they just recently a super anticipated game got hit with a cease and desist i talked about it earlier dark and darker yeah oh yeah but they just got hit with a cease and desist because like half the company is made up of another i think south korean company called uh, nexon and the accusation is that those former employees took some assets none of this is even proven but Valve still just wiped that um, just game down. entirely off of Steam. You right. cannot find it. So, like, they they know what they're doing, and they deal with, like, clones and just, like, the same games and same names and borderline, like, copied IPs all the time. I, I just think that Nintendo's going to be so pissed, especially because it's the GameCube and Wii. It's, like, the next things that the Switch... I mean, we mm-hmm. don't know if they were ever going to emulate because they just did the Nintendo 64, so we don't know if they were ever going to go the next step and do GameCube um, software and, and Wii software I mean, on the Nintendo Switch. Potential money in the pocket, so... Yeah, I mean, surely, surely you would. Well, you might not now because Steam Deck's getting dull. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you still have to buy a Steam Deck and that's still... Expensive. I mean, it's affordable as far as like in comparison to a desktop, but They're still, still pretty hefty. Yeah, still double, triple the price of a Switch. Mm, mm. Uh, out of curiosity, uh, if you guys had a Steam Deck on you right now, what would you be uh, downloading legally <laughs> onto your Dolphin emulator for GameCube or Wii? What would be your number one? Uh, oh, legally, you can't get any legal copies of their updated Melee, but, you know, that'd be cool to play. Where they've <laughs> okay, added, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've added new characters and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, they've yeah, done yeah, pretty yeah. good works with that ROM hack. Yeah, um, that could be fun. But uh, WarioWare Inc. WarioWare? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Fine choice. I think it would have to be Super Mario Sunshine for me, literally, because that's what I'm playing on the Switch right now. Like, that's that's my jam at the moment. What about you? It's tough. I would have said, uh, I guess, Luigi's Mansion, the oh, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd probably go for that if I was choosing games. That or Sunshine. Big fan of Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other games for the Double game Dash. Game. Double Dash. Do- yeah, Double Dash. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, true. Double yeah, Dash is an easy yeah. second choice for yeah. me. I'm trying to think of what games. Oh, um, Twin Snakes. The Metal Gear Solid oh, 1 remake that they had yeah, on the GameCube. Yeah, I'd emulate the shit out of that. That was a class. Uh, That'd be sick. Because they just updated kind of the graphics and everything. They had a couple of extra cutscenes for the first Metal Gear Solid and that. And that was, um, was top notch. Yeah, Big fan fun. of that. Um, this next news item, Chris, is. Saw you, baby. This next one is Counter Strike 2 has been announced. This comes from uh, Michael McWhorter at Polygon. So let me uh, wet my whistle here before I start reading. 
So Counter-Strike 2 is coming this summer. Valve announced Wednesday, promising an overhaul to every system, every piece of content, and every part of the Counter-Strike experience. The announcement comes with three videos of Counter-Strike 2 in action, showing off newly updated maps, dynamic smoke grenades, and sub-tick updates, which Valve says offers even more precise server updates. A limited test is playable starting today. I don't know what date this was released, but started in March uh, for select Counter-Strike global offensive players. Valve also published an FAQ about the limited test for CS2 and how to get in. The new Counter-Strike will run on Valve's Source 2 engine. Valve calls it the largest technical leap forward in Counter-Strike's history. In part, that means a visual overhaul for Counter-Strike's classic maps, some of which players have been battling on for 20-plus years. Those maps will be cleaner, brighter, and better, Valve says, thanks to upgrades and overhauls which leverage all of the new Source 2 tools and rendering features. Smoke grenades in Counter-Strike 2 are getting a big overhaul, they too. I was reading this. So and I, good. Did you watch the video? That no, I, I should have. But this what? this yeah. next bit is sounds so... I mean, I don't know why most games... Are, I, I'll, I'll read it anyway. We can all get excited about it. Uh, smoke grenades... And I'm kind of... It's kind of weird that we're getting excited about smoke grenades in the game. But here we go. Smoke grenades in Counter-Strike 2 are getting a big overhaul, too. Plumes from smoke grenades are now dynamic, volumetric objects that interact with the environment. And they will react to lighting, gunfire, and explosions, Valve says. In yeah, practice, you can that- throw a frag grenade and it completely, like dissipates the cloud entirely or oh, when you shoot a see. bullet you can oh actually see it go see through? through the cloud because oh, all the yes. smoke dis- dissipates that's so good so in practice that means players will be able to create holes in smoke grenades and even blow them away with frag grenade explosions finally Valve promises to go beyond the 1 to 8 tick rate in other online multiplayer games Valve calls its new technology sub tick update characterizing them as the heart of Counter-Strike 2 Previously, the server only evaluated the world in a discrete time intervals called ticks, Valve explained. Thanks to Counter-Strike 2's sub-tick update architecture, servers now know the exact instant that motion starts, a shot is fired, or a nade is thrown. As a result, regardless of tick rate, your moving and shooting will be equally responsive and your grenades will always land the same way. Counter-Strike 2 will be the fourth major release in Valve's first-person shooter series. The original game was released in 2000 and was based on a mod for Valve's Half-Life. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Val, uh, Valve followed that with Counter-Strike Source in 2004 and Counter-Strike Global Offensive in 2012. More than 10 years after its initial release, CSGO remains incredibly popular. The free-to-play game is regularly the most played title on Steam. Earlier this month, CSGO hit an all-time concurrent player record with 1.4 million players on Steam. Chris, are you excited? Uh, I'm pretty stoked. Um, I've always been absolute shit at Counter-Strike, but I'd definitely tuck back in to give this a go. Um, it's crazy that like, it's always been a free game. Now they're making a free update, and it's the biggest game on Steam by a very large margin. Like At any given time, there's probably double the amount of players than the next like the ranked two game. But this has got me pretty excited. Uh, a lot of new joiners, so... Those numbers will probably jump up to like 2 million on release, maybe even more. Oh, definitely more. Uh, but obviously with this, I mean, the graphical changes in the map updates were shooing. We kind of expected something like that to happen with the uh, you know next iteration in a series. Um, the dynamic smoke grenades look really really cool i, I need uh, to watch I'm, the video i was reading it being like that sounds dope and it like and looks amazing and yeah. i think that we haven't had in any game really to date i mean if i'm wrong email us at the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com and tell me i'm an idiot um <laughs> but i've never seen that before yeah that, neither have i i think they're detail kind of being innovative with this uh the one change that i'm not i'm going to show my age with this one um but i'm not too sure on is the sub tick rate 
because I don't know. Are you guys familiar with what a tick rate is? I have it's, no idea. I was reading that out being like, I could be reading an entirely different language right now. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what was going on. So a tick rate is just like a, like an internal, we'll call it a metronome working in the back end. So like whenever you register a command, that keystroke or that button press doesn't get regist- actually registered until the next tick. These are only milliseconds apart, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't actually like register until it hits that next tick this is getting rid of all of that everything will be like live the moment you hit it which sounds great but you got to keep in mind this game has been out for like 20 years there's a lot of old fogies like me that are still playing these games Mm -hmm. and you think it's gonna alienate you younger kids with the quicker reflexes i think are going to start to shine and with this new update that's kind of sick i love that that's kind of dope that the skill cap will Go higher because they're not being bound by Luke, the infrastructure. we will become a dying breed. It's <laughs> not a good yeah. thing. We're, we're going to have to go back to our dreaded turn-based games. Well, I'm, sorry to, <laughs> sorry to add another news item to the news episode, but we already are dinosaurs. <laughs> God damn it. So, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, I never played Counter-Strike. I knew it was a big thing. Um, does it? Uh, well, it's free, so, I mean. Does the announcement surprise you, or was this always on the cards for a CS2? Um, well, I... Th- it does kind of surprise me that it's not going to be a whole new game. This is literally just going to be an upgrade to the existing game. So I'm, I think that's what I read at least. Uh, so everything, like all your old progression, the, the core mechanics of the game, like everything is still going to be the same. So the name Counter-Strike 2 kind of surprises me. Yeah, but considering that it's yeah. the you know, new skins or whatever. What was really interesting was I was trying to, I was trying to get hip and with it, yo. Uh, and read some articles that understand like the whole thing behind CS, uh, you know, Go and One, whatever else. But um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris. When you're playing that game, there is like chests that you unlock a, during battle or after battle that you need. Oh, a are key we getting into the open. gambling or the the selling skins? The selling skins. So it's all cosmetic stuff, right? So you can buy Luke apparently keys from the store. That means that if there's a chest at the end of a battle or whatever else, you can yeah. use that key to open it. I think they're like two dollars fifty a key or whatever. Apparently, they made millions after oh, the announcement the everyone's that, everyone's yeah. buying their keys ahead of time to make sure they got enough keys to open all the chests and i was like fuck it's like yeah. millions like like close to over 100 million on just these these keys alone i was like damn that's why the game can be free like that's yeah exactly i mean every game that is free has some sort of like purchasable like cosmetic yeah. system mm-hmm. hopefully it just kind of stays at cosmetics but um the other issue with this actually is some of these skins people started auctioning them off and making tens of thousands of dollars for like a, a skin for your knife. Yeah. I've heard a few stories. Yeah, yeah. Crazy amounts of money. So I, it was kind of a, there was a bit of a backlash for that and like auctioning yeah, yeah. and especially when it's like kids and stuff that are. Well, I mean the gambling, yeah. the whole gambling thing in games, microtransactions is always a big, a big no, no, as far as I'm concerned, that kind yeah. of taking advantage. Um, so yeah, cool. What I love about this is as well with steam and you see it more often nowadays Sorry, I had to burp there. Um, you see more often nowadays where, like that, they can tell you that there's currently like a c- concurrent player record of 1.4 million people playing this. I love that we have those stats because I love the idea that they've announced Counter Strike 2, and all of a sudden you can just you can visibly see the statistics of everybody yep. returning to the game to hone their skills to prepare themselves for Counter Strike 2. And I love that. Yeah, I love that you can yeah, like see everybody I'm, getting battle ready. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, Steam's API is actually just completely open, so anyone could build a website to see it, like how many active players in, in this game at this time or on. That's dope. I love on that. Steam. Yeah, Valve's always been. 
pro, you know, open source, I guess. Yeah. It's cool to see um it's cool to see Valve. Like and the last thing Valve did was Half Life Alex, I think. And that yeah. came came out of left field. Uh, they don't make enough games, but when they make a game, like I've been waiting like Half Life Three is pretty much a meme at this time. At this point, we've yeah. all wanted it for ages. I've wanted Left 4 Dead Three for fucking ever, ever yeah, since man. Left 4 Dead Two. Uh, Portal would be nice to get a new one, but yeah. they're still updating these games and maintaining, which is nice because mm-hmm. Portal just got uh, like a ray tracing update for Nvidia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, seeing that. That was so sick. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's cool. That's yeah. cool. They're, they're a very passionate development company when it comes to their games. Like mm. it's usually just bangers that they crank out yeah so it's always exciting to see them dip their toe back into the actual game development pool mm-hmm. instead of just doing this see what else they come up with although yeah. you know i mean not to be the critical one here but they are just reskinning an old game you know Give yeah well it's, it's like it's like nintendo releasing a new zelda hey, game well <laughs> if you built half-life and portal then i mean you're set you don't need to come up with any new ideas yeah yeah <laughs> just j- just keep reading those those yeah. ips uh speaking of zelda luke that's our next topic uh, next news item that Zelda Tears of the Kingdom uh, gameplay showcase was released earlier this month. Now, I have no article to pull here. This is more of a discussion based thing because, um, Luke, I think you and me watched the gameplay trailer. So, this game has been six years in development. Um, all hush hush people were clamoring for new content of any kind to show. And we finally got a decent because the, the stuff they'd released before was only like a minute or two teaser trailers with like a small amount of tiny little bits of gameplay and, and cutscenes put in here and there slashed in. But we finally got a big meaty uh, chunk. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Luke, what did you think of the gameplay? I think it looks weird. I think it looks super weird, but I don't hate it. And, you know, when I started playing Breath of the Wild, I was kind of I was never into Zelda games in a big way before Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went into Breath of the Wild pretty blind. I knew what the whole gist was. You play as Link, you're saving Zelda. That's that you beat Ganon. <laughs> That's how the whole thing works. That's all I knew about it. It's the whole series in a nutshell. Yeah, literally. Yep. And so I went into it very blind, just only knowing that. And I fucking loved it. There were features of the game that I didn't discover until I finished my first playthrough. And then I was going through it being like, oh my God, you can do this. You can combine this with this and this happens. And it just, all the cooking stuff and that just blew my mind um so yeah so much so much depth and uh so much they really thought through all the like gameplay loops and the core mechanics of the game so well in breath of the wild that even though this does look weird to me i have faith i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna get it and i'm gonna stick it out and i'm gonna see see how it plays so from my perspective and i you know i'll be perfectly open i never finished breath of the wild um Neither did i I played, I would say, 20-ish hours of the game before I got bored isn't the right word, but maybe just the open world thing had maybe just exhausted me at that time, bit of fatigue maybe, but it, I stopped playing it. It was Wrath of the Wild that made me realize that I just can't really handle open world. Yeah, games. and oh, okay. and it's it's an interesting loop for Breath, uh, for Breath of the Wild because it's, it's, it's kind of encouraging exploration as opposed to that constant you know yeah. side quest here go to this point but you know, that point blah 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 it's kind of you just follow your nose exactly yeah. yeah which is a nice way to do it which i think was probably a bit too much for me at that time and i don't i like to think i don't need my hand held but when i was playing that game i kind of wanted to go to certain icons in the map and do that kind of stuff but it's a bit more about you know exploring yourself interestingly enough and i was talking to craig about this you and me were talking to craig about this luke um about the fact that this was six years in production which is a mental amount of time in my opinion, based on what I saw in the trailer, that the game looks the same. And in the game's defense, I think Breath of the Wild got everything out of the Switch from a processing point of view that it was ever going to get. So I, mm-hmm. I, I never expected 
Tears of the Kingdom to be enhanced in any particular way. And I don't really know what I expected, but after six years of production, I just, that gameplay trailer just did not do a whole lot for me. I think this is going to be another case similar to Twilight Princess, where we're going to end up with the same game on two different consoles. Right? Twilight Princess was both uh, GameCube and Wii, right? Was that the next Oh, you, you, you think we're going to get Tears of the Kingdom on Switch 1 and Switch 2? Yep, or whatever the next console it is. But yeah, uh, after this is out and they're like, by the way, Switch 2 is coming. And it's also going to launch with an updated version of this Interesting. Because that's the thing. I, I was doing some research and, and this, might, might, this might not be a fair comparison. But I was looking at, because the release dates are quite similar, Horizon Zero Dawn came out the same year Breath of the Wild did, which, you know, poor Horizon, it never stood a chance then for Game of the Year because Breath of the Wild was amazing. Um, five years later, we get Horizon Forbidden West, you know, this massively updated, improved in every facet game. Six years after the release of Breath of the Wild, we get Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I was looking at kind of like budgetary stuff and and like the teams that worked on it. So Gorilla for Horizon had a team of about 350 professionals. They say I'm sure the team was much bigger than that, but 350 professionals. And NED or NDE is in a, it's a Nintendo European distribution group or whatever. They were the developer behind Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now their employee count is like 6,000 plus. So I don't think 6,000 people worked on Zelda. I'm sure that that, that, that team is like, you know, split across all sorts of different projects. But let's say the uh, staff is similar enough. The budget for Horizon Zero Dawn was in and around 100 and, between 110 and 140 million, and I think I saw that Breath of the Wild was over 100 million. So they're similar in terms of the budgetary of the teams. Obviously, they're working on entirely different consoles. But I've played through Horizon and then Horizon Forbidden West, and the improvements across that were crazy good. Now, I'm not talking about because this is on a PS5 versus a Switch, like, you know, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are coming out on the same console. For- Forbidden West, you know, there was a, there's a PS4 version, but there was a PS5 version as well. But I'm talking about, let's say, just the PS4 version. Narratively, gameplay-wise, um, lighting all those things all improved after the five years for this AAA game in Horizon. And I watched the trailer of Breath of the Wild, or for Tears of the Kingdom, and I was like, there's just a couple of new abilities for puzzles. I, I can't figure out why it's taken six years. I really can't. I mean, I can see the... So Craig, in our text chat, he was defending this, the, the idea of the, the new abilities and stuff like that pretty vehemently. And I think he had a really good point in that, you know, you're not... It's not just a new take on abilities almost. So like instead... So you don't see Link using a Sheik Slate at all in the gameplay trailer. He's using this... He's like using his powers from his arm. And it seems like that they're approaching... Like it seems like all of the old powers are gone and they've just replaced them with these new, like a- almost like larger concepts. So like the powers in Breath of the Wild were almost like these little gimmicky things you could do. Like you yeah. make ice pillars pop Play up with in physics water. Didn't, yeah. yeah, you could throw bombs, like spherical or cube bombs. Um, and then you could freeze things in time and build up momentum on them. Cool idea, really cool ideas. Um, but the stuff in this is, seems to be like way more impactful for gameplay. Like the, Tiny things like being able to go up through a roof above you or through a mountain above you and appear on top. Uh, being able to rewind processes is pretty big. Being able to fuse things. The fusion the thing fuse alone. The fuse one looked really cool, yeah. It's great. Like that has p- potential to have like insane amounts of depth uh, to the point where I'm kind of weary to trust that it will be that impactful. But you have to imagine that's going to change the whole way you think about 
the gameplay in the game and it's those really big pivotal changes in like they're trying to you're totally right like when i looked at it as well i was like this looks exactly like breath of the wild that feels weird having waited as long as we have like yeah i love breath of the wild but if i wanted to play breath of the wild i'd go play breath of the wild yeah. i don't want to pay 60 quid for just 70, a clone. 70 70 yeah. quid for a clone i i don't really feel like doing that but then if i can have a little faith that they did put like the care and love and thought into the actual gameplay mechanics because that's really that's what i want out of games yeah i want the gameplay to be good i kind of it's it's lovely when it can look gorgeous and like that is novel and breath of the wild did exploit the hardware enough to look great for what it was well nintendo that's the thing i'll never i'll never criticize nintendo graphics too much because i think they always have their own style now i say uh, I, there's plenty of games out there like the most recent pokemon blah 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 that look crap but i mean the mario style is looks beautiful in its own way the zelda style and the kind of shading and everything like that looks beautiful in its own way like don't get me wrong it's no horizon forbidden west but it has its own charm mm-hmm. and i don't but i don't want them to i nintendo isn't the company that puts all this money into you know they're not showing off they're not doing showcases and and trailers at uh like or nintendo directs or whatever or, or back in the day it was gamescom and it was e3 and all that kind of stuff they weren't putting out trailers there being like look how good our new game looks yes that was never yeah. their selling point and it still doesn't seem to be i kind of love that they're just staying in their lane and they're like look what we care about the most is how fun is this to play video games yeah. <laughs> like how fun they are to play and we're gonna make this so fun to play i was i did have my faith restored a little bit there's one point where link looks down on the map and i kind of saw familiar places but they were they were different in some ways so it feels like maybe the terrain of the world from breath of the wild is the same but what's actually there seems to be different and then there's the other tier with all the islands in the sky which again still a bit skeptical of but uh i trust them yeah i hope like uh, i hope i'm proved wrong in all aspects and they've they've earned enough good karma for you know for me to believe that they i mean game of the year breath of the wild you know when, when it came yeah. out uh people loved it and so many games have tried to copy that version or that charm of an open world game so i get that it's huge um and i hope that they do the second one justice it's just it yeah. just such a long time i remember i remember getting so excited for that gameplay trailer and watching it and being like oh breath of the wild <laughs> you know 2.0 but i i would love to be proven wrong and i hope that they knock it out of the park and i'm sure given the time spent on the game I'm sure hopefully it'll be absolutely amazing. I've, I've got faith. The next one is an interesting one. One that, you know, because uh, AI is kind of scary to me. This next little topic, AI is a terrifying uh, concept to me. I, I hate the idea of it. Uh, but this one's good for the industry, not. Uh, Ubisoft to consider AI writers. This is coming from Luke Plunkett at K- Kotaku. So Ubisoft, the publishers behind Assassin's Creed, Far, Far Cry, and Ghost Recon, tonight announced, I don't know what day this was, in March announced that an AI tool is currently helping its developers write dialogue for some of its games. This tool, called Ghostwriter, is described as Introducing Ubisoft Ghostwriter, an AI tool developed in-house that aims to support our script writers by generating the first draft of our NPC barks. The Replace phrases, our script writers. Oh, I know, right? The it. phrases are sounds made by NPCs when players are, interact with the game world. Uh, this tool was created hand-in-hand with scriptwriters to create more realistic NPC interactions by generating variations on a piece of dialogue. See how our teams will use AI to handle repetitive tasks and free up time to work on other core game elements. Uh, maybe this will save time? 
I don't know. And sorry, this is this is Luke Plunkett saying this. This isn't me. Uh, maybe this will save time. I don't know. I'm not a Ubisoft writer, and the company has stated that tech was created in consultation with the company's narrative teams. Some in the field have certainly had some positive takes on the news. On a personal level, though, I don't care how annoying the game is or how repetitive the sound bites. I would prefer bad lines written entirely by humans over optimized lines originally written by a machine 100 times out of 100. Even if I couldn't tell, I just preferred on a psychological basis. Humans can be weird like that. And I have to say I agree with Luke. I mean, yeah. the other Luke, Luke Plunkett. I mean, I'm sure I agree with you from time to time with Luke too. Uh, it's a terrifying concept. It's a concept that strikes fear into me and people who would... Like, one of my dream jobs is always narrative design. And yeah, if people right. are getting AI on board, fuck, that job's gone. I mean, if the AI is just always going to get better and better. So, I mean, surely that's the, those jobs gone in the future. Yeah, uh, I mean, the whole thing with AI, like, actually writing human dialect now is just really kind of fucked up especially uh and it doesn't really make any sense maybe for i think it'll i hope it'll just be like a flavor of the month type deal because in order for ai to learn i guess it needs to consume human data yeah so if we start replacing all narratives in the world with ai like there's there's no way it's going to grow anymore, right? It'll so it would, it would end up in a state of just regurgitating the same ideas, I guess. Yeah, mm. that's I guess the, that's the way I understand it, though. I am in no way an expert on no. That's that is the problem with AI in art is that it just it just like cops other artists' shit and like mm. spits it back out in a weird kind of uh, contrived sort of way. And yeah, it does just you know it's the it's the problem with doing you do a photocopy of a piece of paper and then you do a photocopy of the photocopy and you do a photocopy of that photocopy and the fidelity of it just like disappears away it's stuck if ai is only self-referencing at a certain point then yeah you're gonna that's the fear that you just eventually lose the artistic spark that's that's kind of the i guess the the philosophical argument behind it not the moral or the ethical one because there's definitely a moral and ethical one as well yep. about replacing writers when you were saying that though i did i did think about i did I am looking for a silver lining here. And I did mm -hmm. kind of think about a cool way that could be implemented in a game, right? So imagine you have uh, the exact same number of staff, the exact same number of writers putting in the exact same hours, getting the exact same pay as any other game that doesn't use AI, okay? So they write tons of dialogue for the game. Then you take that dialogue and you train an AI on that dialogue so that every time the player goes to interact with an NPC or someone like that, they're they generating unique lines yeah. instead of the same written lines every time. So you're not replacing writers using the same number of writers, but you're expanding the volume of dialogue in the game infinitely. That'd be pretty sick. Now, what is actually going to happen in the big capitalist machine, as we all know, they will is slowly they, they learn will to re replace the they writers. They will replace the writers. You, you know, the Absolutely. problem with that, though, is because they also have AI that is replicating voices now, and they oh, would yeah. need an oh. infinite amount of unique voice lines so that would all have to be generated by ai yeah so there's a ton more jobs that just go out the window yeah i, I watched it terrifying AI. uh because ai is so much in the news at the minute because yeah. we are beginning to get places with it that i just do not want it to go <laughs> uh, i watched a fully ai made film Ugh. about an alien invasion on earth at a time when joe biden is president of america and putin is there with russia and um, America is going to reach out and interact with the aliens and Russia don't want them to do that. So Russia, you know, because we've got this whole battle in Ukraine and all these threats with nuclear weapons and stuff like that. The AI has just taken all that on board and there's a nuclear 
kind of fight in space to stop the Americans reaching the aliens first because Russia doesn't want them to make contact with them. But the interesting thing about it is that Joe Biden's addressing the nation in this small, short film. And it is his voice, 100%. His mannerisms, his pauses, all of it, like perfectly recreated. I'm like, that's really terrifying stuff that they can actually go ahead and go and make that and make me believe that I'm listening to Joe Biden giving an address about an alien invasion. Maybe the whole movie was made by them and they're just letting you know what's coming. <laughs> oh my God. They're writing the script <laughs> of the future. The, the, the stuff that freaks me out about this and like how it ties into sort of workers' rights and contracts and stuff like that is you can imagine, like I'm a, I work in the arts, like I'm an animator. I can imagine contracts starting to include clauses where you have to agree that because the company owns the right to your work, they can use it for any purposes to do with feeding and training AIs in the future. So that when you, so like technically I, I work for an animation studio, any animation that I do in day to day, that doesn't belong to me. That mm -hmm. belongs to my studio and that belongs to the show we're working on at the moment is Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers owns all my creative work. That's whatever, that's just kind of what you sign up for in contract work. My fear is that like, again, a clause creeps in eventually where they go, well, if we, if we could cut out artists and creatives and like, like get our bottom line more and, and, and like get, get our profits like more aligned how we want them to be, we could just start including in contracts that they agree to let us use their artistic work to train AI. And we don't have to, like they will, if they have like 10 years worth of contracts of creative work being like just handed up to them and they use it to train AI, they own all of that. Like yeah. they're not doing the, technically nothing, nothing's illegal about it. Nothing's unethical because the artists did agree to do all this, but you know. Yeah. You're literally signing a clause to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that happening because artists. Are I'm doing idiots. the same thing with software engineering, <laughs> man. Like we're yeah. going to be the first to be replaced. It's huge in software. Yeah. Chat GPT uh, writing programs. is. Yeah, like, exactly. And a lot of my buddies have actually just accepted and embraced it and they're just like you, you gotta be, use it, you gotta yeah. get good at this stuff or else you're not gonna have a job because yeah, yeah this is the way it's going you're to literally be. racing and i don't want to accept that fact no yeah because you're you're racing you're racing the singularity chris yeah exactly <laughs> i hate it all so <laughs> much it's it such a gross and terrifying <laughs> concept i think uh stephen hawking one of the last things um he spoke about and let's say one of the last talks he did or whatever else was like whatever the fuck you do don't do AI. I mean, this is like one of the smartest dudes we've ever known. And he's telling us not to go near it. And yet, here we are. Dreaming here we are. Elon Musk fears AI. And he only fears AI because <laughs> he lost the money on AI. That's all. He just wants more bang for his book. Oh, God, don't like that. Yeah, but he flip-flops so often. He originally hated it. And then he was like the leading developer. Or yeah. at least, you know, <laughs> and, then he, and then he stepped away from it, whatever else. And now, we, now he's just, I think, a bit sour because he's not making his money that he, that he should be. Classic Musk. Goddamn. But yeah, yeah. Let's just not, let's just not do that, Ubisoft. Don't do it. I don't, yeah. Ubisoft, you, if you're listening, just I'll write NPC dialogue for you for days. Just don't get AI to do as it, As long please. as all the talented people that work at Ubisoft can go off and get jobs elsewhere someday, I'm really happy for Ubisoft to fall on the sword. They're your whole slate for the next, God knows how long, is just Assassin's Creed games. Like, they're not working on anything else. That's true. They're just, they're floundering, and they're, like, grabbing onto life rafts. So I'm not surprised that they're one of the first ones to come out with this as a strategy i don't like them anymore <laughs> no, that's all right. once that's upon all right. a time man ubisoft are great but fuck yeah they're going through they're going through a dark place and they're clinging on to anything they can to seem interesting the first team with ai god help us okay this next um news article isn't exactly uh what game related i mean it's game related because it's a game was made and then this anime followed afterwards but this is the pokemon the pokemon airs the final episode of ash and pikachu's arc 
in March. So it's all, this comes from Digital Spy from George Lewis. Uh, so Pokemon has revealed its farewell to Ash, Ketchum and Pikachu as the duo's final episode aired this month. The iconic pair have been on screen for over 25 years, but their lifelong ambition was met last year when Ash became an official world champion and the very best like no one ever was. In the bittersweet final episode, oh, sorry, there's spoilers here. Will I, will I keep bringing this spoilers? Yeah, yeah, well, I've heard them all already. Okay, well, uh, for people listening, I'm going to spoil the last episode of what happens for you. Um, in the bittersweet final episode, the pair waved goodbye to Brock and Misty on their way back to Palatown, where Ash reunited with his family in his childhood home. On his way still to Professor- 14 years old. <laughs> or 10 years old. <laughs> 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, 10 years old still. Like, yeah, this long 20 or short 25 years for him. Uh, on his way to Professor Oak's lab, he bumps into old friend Tracy, who has been working as an assistant to the professor. And after reaching the lab, Ash is tasked with searching for a missing Charmander, one of the three starting Pokemon available to fledgling trainers. The narrative comes full circle as he finds the lost creature in a cave, recalling a moment from his past when he rescued what would become his Charizard. After an altercation with Team Rocket, Ash spends a quiet moment reckoning with his newfound success and what becoming a Pokemon master really entails. As a rainbow lights up the sky, Ash and Pikachu decide to set off for New Horizons, with Ash ditching his old footwear and replacing them with new shoes. I'm assuming that's metaphorical or something. Um, in the final scene, uh, the pair come to a fork in the road and are undecided about which route to take. They toss a stick up in the air, letting the elements decide their path for them and walk off into the distance as the words, Next time, a new beginning, appear on screen. Whilst this may be the last journey for the iconic duo, fans won't have to wait long for their next fix of Pokemon with Horizons and Concierge due to air in the near future. Wow. 25 years. And you finally became the very best. The, uh, the world's only 25-year-old, 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming, I'd love to know the actual legitimate um, can- time frame. Can- canonical age. Yeah, of that, that, that Ash is like, did he, did he grow up three, four years in that time? Two <laughs> years? I don't know. But uh, interesting that that should, and, and it's nice, I mean, I listen to kind of funny games quite a lot. And one of the guys there, Tim, he's a turbo, turbo, huge Pokemon fan. Uh, he said he watched the apparently last year's series of Pokemon is meant to be amazing in that like him battling to become the very best is hugely like dramatic and the episodes look amazing and it's a lot put into it. And he said between that and watching, I think he looked up a thing where it's like these are the episodes worth watching as opposed to the filler stuff, the boring old Pokemon stuff. <laughs> You're the one did... with Brock and the, the pan over his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're getting ready to hit him all the time. Yeah. Um, apparently he, that's another thing as well. I read that uh, Brock gets a girlfriend at last as oh. well. So he's not the weird pervert um well well yeah we do. I mean, it's really well yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't erase that history but interesting enough that it comes uh for full circle uh do you think that there will ever be a pokemon like with these new with these new things that they're launching the concierge and uh horizons whatever they are uh do you think we get a pokemon as iconic as pikachu does anybody uh, take that mantle and do a, a, as good a job or better a job than pikachu did yeah, i don't think they need to um Maybe maybe someday they will shift the brand in that direction, but Pikachu's Pikachu's evergreen. Like I didn't even know about the Pokemon series still running until like last year when the Pokemon League stuff blew up online, and uh, and all that time I was just like, oh yeah, Pikachu's face Pokemon. Like I didn't know that there was still a show or that there was a Pikachu character or whatever. Mm. But it's just it's the brand and it's the most successful brand in the world. So oh my God, yeah. I don't, I don't think yeah I don't think they, they no, need to I- change it. I think with enough years, um, something else could close the gap or even take it. I you reckon? Mean, then yeah, Pikachu? Yeah, absolutely. With enough years, I mean... Sphiel. Sphiel. Yeah, no, it's it'll a, be some, it's a it'll spherical be some seal. brand new one for... That sounds cute. Have you not seen Sphiel? <laughs> no, I haven't seen Sphiel. Oh, the greatest name design in Pokemon history. It's a seal and it's a sphere. 
Sphere. <laughs> yeah. I great, mean, man. I don't know if they got real lazy or just real good. Like, I can't figure that it's one out. Your, you know? It rides that line real well. Yeah. No, for sure. I think so. Because they're like, they're constantly coming up with designs for new things. For sure, there's going to be a design that will that, and this kind of gives them the room to distance themselves from it. Like canonically and story-wise, like Ash and Pikachu leave the series, they'll probably come back in as like guest appearances in the season. Well, he's cause... he's the he's a Pokemon master, so I'm yeah. sure he'll have some sort of mentoring role in these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In these. Um, what's interesting is I think in the uh, artwork that was brought out for this new show, the I could be getting this wrong. It's a while back now that I saw it. But the main character, I think she's she's a young girl with her whatever her Pokemon is. I didn't recognize the Pokemon at all in this cover art. But I think she's wearing a hat or a a, a, a scarf or something on her wrist or a hat that has the same um, symbol on something that Ash wore. So the theory is that this person could be Ash's. Uh, we don't know how long in the future it is. Uh, or is, yeah. So is it like uh, Ash's cousin or niece or his daughter? Like it, it, that's still to be decided. And maybe it already has been, and I haven't researched that online. Apologies if it's already out there. But I think that's a cool little nod to be like, this is somehow related to Ash, and this new person's going off on their own doing their own thing. That could be cool. I hope it's, they don't go the relation route. I hope it's just some little kid that like idolizes a, oh, a yeah. Pokemon master from yeah, like that'd 10 that's, years that's ago. Even, and I'd prefer that, I think. I think yeah. I'd prefer that someone would be like, this guy is my hero. Like, you know, when mm. we saw Ash as the young, young kid, it was like, I want to be like this guy and that guy. So yeah, that would God, be cool. I want to rewatch Pokemon now. I want to go back to the... I, I've heard a lot of, like a lot of amazing things about, I mean, apparently this, this farewell season that happened is a lot of kind of um, uh, nostalgia stuff, just visiting old characters. There's nothing very exciting that happens in the story. It's more about just like, hey, you know Misty, and you know Brock, and you know, yeah. you know, the, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Whereas the last season, the season before this, where he's in the, the Pokemon League or whatever it is to become the master, apparently that's meant to be really, really good. And it's something that I'm like, maybe I'll download that and just give that a quick. I mean, what? It's 20 minutes an episode. Yeah, fly yeah. to that real quick. See if it's actually uh, any good. I've seen some animation stuff from it as well because I follow like whenever. When I follow enough communities that whenever there is animation and it's good, I see it, mm-hmm. basically. And I've seen a lot of stuff from the new Pokemon, and it's it's incredible. Okay. It's so well animated. I need to yeah. give that a watch, yeah. It's some, it's some fantastic stuff. So. so we'll finish on our last news uh, item, obviously. That's where you would finish. Um, and this one is that E3 has been cancelled. This is coming from Rebecca Valentine at IGN. Almost a year after announcing its return, the Entertainment Software Association announced today to its members that this year's Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3, has been cancelled. IGM can confirm. Two sources have confirmed to IGN that the organization announced the cancellation via an email sent out to its members today. The email said that while E3 remains a beloved event and brand, that the 2023 version simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of our industry. The ESA concludes the email by reiterating its commitment to um, advocacy work. It does not mention undertaking the show again in future years. Following IGN's report, the ESA issued the following public statement from Kyle Maradston Kish, Global VP of Gaming at ReadPop. This was a difficult decision because of all the effort we and our partners put towards making this event happen. But we had to do what's right for the industry and what's right for E3. We appreciate and understand that interested companies would have playable demos or wouldn't have playable demos ready and that resourcing challenges made being at E3 this summer an obstacle they couldn't overcome. For those who did commit to E3 2023, we're sorry we can't put it on the showcase you deserve and that you've come to expect from ReadPop's event experiences. The press release adds that ReadPop and the ESA will continue to work together on future E3 events. The event was supposed to be held from June 13th through to June 16th at the Los Angeles Convention Center and would have been the first in-person E3 event since 2019. 
Um, the event was cancelled in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and while a digital version was held in 2021, the event was cancelled again in 2022 in an effort to focus on a revitalized showcase that would set a new standard for hybrid industry events. E3's return for this year was announced last June, alongside the confirmation that E3 2022 had been cancelled. The news comes as multiple big names in the industry from Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, and more recently Ubisoft announced that it would not be attending E3 in any capacity, probably because they're using AI. Uh, with most opting to host its own digital <laughs> showcases. Um, so w- when I read this, I mean, I've got no association with E3 with the exception of, I remember watching the video of PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360 being announced side by side. Or um, PlayStation 3? PlayStation, uh, 20, you know, it was PlayStation 4, so that would have been the Xbox One. Xbox One. Uh, them being announced side by side was very cool. And I also remember the E3 announcement of Final Fantasy VII Remake, like that whole spectacle and the oh, fans yeah. going mental. Mm-hmm. Um I, if I was in America, if I lived in the state where it was held or in the neighboring state as a kid, I would have been over there in a heartbeat. I just regret that Ireland never had anything like an E3. So for me, like listening to all the all the people were on Twitter and everything that were lamenting the fact that it's gone and like lots of people were putting up stories and of old times in E3 and like, oh man, that really is the end of a, of a crazy era of like going with your mates to hang out at, at a big, big, big games event. So that's kind of sad. What do you guys, do you guys think E3, are those kind of events have a place in the modern day video gaming world? Or are they dead to rights? The uh, the biggest news for me about this was realizing it realizing that it wasn't permanently cancelled after twenty twenty. I didn't even realize they were planning on ever doing it again. Yeah. So that was a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a that's a case in point of where it's I, not going. In my personal opinion, I think uh, aside from the Nintendo Directs and the state of plays, I think the VGAs have kinda like took the slot as the big new game showcase and they as have the summer as well as award they have ceremonies. the summer games fest as well which was kind of jeff so jeff Keeley, i think uh, i could be wrong in this jeff Keeley is the guy who organizes the video game awards and he has this thing called the summer summer games fest and i think he released the summer summer games fest as a retaliation to e3 because he believed it wasn't doing what it should i think he met in years gone by with them to be like hey um i think that this x y and z should be done to improve it and i always wonder what must have been said to him for him to leave that and go make his own thing which essentially killed it because they must have insulted him pretty bad if he's like you know here's my ideas and they were like no thanks so yeah a big a big part of this though as well is that uh the big three are pulling out of it because since well kind of before covid this started off but definitely with uh with covid happening as well Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all started doing their own digital showcases, mm-hmm. like live streaming them, and they could, because that way they could they controlled all of the elements of the show. Like they didn't have to rely on E3's production team or Gamescom's production team in order to sell their products the best, or the stage design or the venue. They could just curate all that themselves and present their games exactly how they want them to be presented. Mm-hmm. So it's not super surprising that these big events are being like pushed out, especially since COVID. Um, uh, there might even be more to it too. I think there's some bad blood between the two companies, seeing as like Sony is actually going after Microsoft for trying to buy up IPs. Yeah, and they don't want to be at the same. Yeah, they just, so, yeah, yeah, very possibly. And like it would probably makes things very complicated for E3 and for those big games conventions. To it's like having stuff. a family dinner and you you know your two cousins <laughs> yeah, don't get yeah, on. Exactly. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. fuck, fighting for slots. I think that was a problem before. But yeah, no, I think I think you're totally right, Chris. That the uh, you know the the VGAs feel like a way more comfy way to experience like new trailers yeah, there, there's and also a, celebrate stuff exactly. that's happened. Yeah, yeah, it's it feels more. It's got it got a nice vibe to it. I think way nicer vibe than E3 had. But th- then again, I am sad to see it go because I remember growing up and 
reading games magazines you'd hit a certain point and it would have all these new details about all these new games the that E3 came from this, yeah. yeah that came from this legendary thing called e3 so whenever e3 happened we got like tons more games and tons more news and it was always it so was kind of like exciting. the only well not to say the only announcement it was the big announcement every year for all the new stuff whereas now you get kind of stuff piecemeal you know january through to december yeah. i think the industry has changed quite a bit as well talking about um tears of the kingdom game development takes way longer now yeah than it did before. And there's a lot more players in the game too, I think. Yeah. Uh, so they can't really plan like all the releases for one time. Exactly. You're literally competing with your own market or, I mean, your own... Your own business. Umbrella own company, company, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So. Because it, they mentioned that, you know, that it, the industry was changing or they wanted to do right by the industry. But like when it takes six years to make a game and, you know, Nintendo even struggled themselves to release over the last six years anything to do with tears of the kingdom and it's kind of like their hallmark stuff that they're coming out with now so yeah how do you how do you get companies like nintendo or playstation or xbox when it's taking them you know five six years to make a game to have anything ready that's worthwhile to put into a showcase you know i think it I, whereas you know in years gone by you're talking about games coming out every two years do you know what i mean like these big games following two years after each other you go back to playstation one playstation two era like sequels were the following year for things almost back then yeah but because games are so much more complicated to create and they need much bigger teams much bigger budgets and we have much higher expectations i don't think that the companies can actually pull things together to say don't worry on this date in this random year we'll have the big announcement ready for you. I just don't think that's a plausible aspect to, to the industry anymore. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Well, that's news. news. Way to go, fellas. We did it. <laughs> we did another another month of news. Um, if there's anything news-wise that you think we left out, why not get onto patreon.com slash thegiftedgaming and see that we don't add it on our post show. Uh, before you go telling us that we should add this, that, and the other, you can listen to us on the post show where we might add some more stuff that you should have wanted Maybe to hear. Maybe you were the cost of a coffee away from experiencing that. Yes, exactly. The cost of a coffee in a month from experiencing that. But yeah, if you want uh, any updates on the episodes of things that are coming out, you can check us out on Twitter at giftofgamingpod. Or uh, if you'd like to tell us... Hey, I know, actually, here's a good one. I know we have a couple of American listeners who may have or may not have ever been to an E3. And I'd be very curious to hear what your experiences with it were, if any, and if you'll miss it. And if you have any stories, please email them to us at thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com. I know, for one, I would love to read them. Um, but yes, Chris, Luke, thank you for hopping on, for giving the news. The, thanks the, for having the, me. The, thanks, Darren. The Dream News team. Uh, and for all our listeners, uh, thanks for hanging around and uh, keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out. Peace.